0: Hey everyone, and welcome to another Yogi Misfit Sessions. My name is Danny Pomploon, and I'm your host. So today I have Session 75 coming at you, and I have the honor and the privilege to speak to Dylan Warner. Um, I've been following him for quite a while, and uh, yeah, I've got to see his growth and to really just be inspired by what he does and what he brings to the table we got to talk about where he started in his uh, yoga journey and where he's taking it now. He's up to some really cool uh trainings and he's leading um, a 300 hour coming up soon. Um, and he's just up to a lot. It was really um, it was really inspiring to hear how passionate he was one but also how knowledgeable he was as well. <laughs> And just before I get the show started, I wanted to tell you guys about Ohm Apparel. Um, If you see any stuff that I've been doing online, you'll notice that I I often tag them. Um, It's actually just a company that I'm really, really, really super stoked and passionate about. Um, They make men's yoga and active wear line. And I've always said like their clothing just feels like it fits me perfectly. You know, whether you see me in a yoga class or walking down the streets of San Francisco, I'm pretty much only wearing their gear. Uh, It's super breathable, it fits well. Uh, You can use it for yoga, I mean it looks casual down the street. And the best thing about all of their products are they're all 100% eco-friendly. So they do the best not only to sustain the environment, but they're also in it for the really good reasons. But they also do cool things like support men's mental health. If you want to check out their clothing, you can check them out in the show notes. And you can use the code Danny, that's D-A-N-N-I, and you get 15% off at checkout. Again, it's pretty much the only yoga clothing I wear. It's my absolute favorite. Go check them out, home apparel, and use the code DANny for 15% off. lastly, the show would not be possible without you listeners. And the best way to get more listeners on the show is to, uh, have you guys leave a review on iTunes. So if you have just a couple minutes, it's pretty fast, super quick. I would really appreciate it. If you can leave a review on iTunes, I know I say it every show, but it really is that important, important to, uh, keep it going. So if you could, uh, check out the little link below, it tells you how to leave a review super easily. Thanks again to our friends over at SF Yoga Mag for being such big supporters. Without further ado, here comes session 75 Dylan Warner. Dylan, you're all over the place. Okay, sure. <laughs> you, uh, how much time do you spend traveling? 100% of the time traveling. Do you so you don't have a place that you get to call home?
1: No, well, it that's an interesting thing because we uh we have this kind of preconceived concept of what home is and what traveling is, and so if yeah, if we go off of of that stereotype, yeah, I'm traveling all the time, and no, I don't have a home, but Mm -hmm. I don't, I mean, it's fun to tell people I'm homeless. Yeah <laughs> But I'm technically not homeless. I stay in nice places, uh, nice Air- Airbnbs right now. I'm staying at my friend's flat. I live out of suitcase. I have done that. This is my sixth year, which is actually crazy to me because for some reason I thought it was my third year until I did the math and I realized that I'm on my sixth year of traveling and living out of a suitcase.
0: Um, how did it all start for you when when you I guess what was your journey into movement and yoga and then how did it all start to you know when you became I guess when you started to get more of an audience and started to to travel a bunch more what did that how did it all come together
1: I feel like I've talked about like my origin story so many times uh, The short version, the real short version of it is I was a firefighter paramedic and I was teaching yoga on the side and I lost my job. And after losing my job, I decided I wanted to teach yoga full time, which was just really a hobby at that point. And uh, teaching had been a hobby for like three years. So I moved from Redlands, California, which is about an hour and a half from L.A. to L.A., and I started teaching down there. And I didn't have a following. I was a popular teacher at the local studio. But when I moved to LA, no one knew who I was. Just started teaching, started to grow a local following there, which is kind of a hard thing to do, as any LA yoga teacher will know, That starting out into that place with just amazing teachers. But I started growing a little bit of a following. And then also uh, an Instagram following. Mm-hmm. And I had some videos on YouTube and some requests. And really... The request to travel international came from my youtube video it really had one that went kind of big which was big like fifty thousand views not not anything actually really big but yeah so i got invited to go down to jakarta and then a few more requests and it just kind of happened really organically it was nothing that i wanted to push into and i the more that i started traveling more I realized how much I wanted to do it but I was in a relationship with somebody who didn't want to travel or at least didn't want to travel full-time and we had lived together and we kind of had built our lives up together over the five years leading up to me leaving and and traveling to teach
0: I said did you ever think it would get to where it's at now
1: well no because when I really started into my yoga journey about 10 years ago I tried to stop planning so much for the future and really after I left my career as a firefighter I stopped trying to look so much into the future because that had always Mm -hmm. been who I was and what I did and it was always about goals for me and trying to achieve these goals and yoga kind of put that aside and really taught me what it was like to live and be present and you know be in the truth and experience things as they're happening and i never thought i never thought i'd be where i was at definitely didn't think that when i moved to la i didn't have any idea how long i was going to teach yoga for if it was going to be a career all i knew is that if i taught enough classes i could pay rent when you
0: when you look back at let's say where you started in la to now what has been the biggest shift for you personally because of your experience because of you know the travel and the connections and the learning and the growth, like when you when you look back and actually reflect on yourself and like how it's changed you as a person, or or you know metamorphosized you into where you're at this point in your life. What has been the biggest shift for you?
1: It's it's kind of uh, I mean I know exactly what it is, and it's kind of an ironic answer to the question. But the biggest thing that I've realized in this whole journey that it's not about me, and I think my whole life I've been making things about me, and it's a very natural thing because. We are, we see the world through our experience, or I see the world through my experience, through my eyes and everything that I know is around the fact that I'm the center of that, ex- that person experiencing. Mm-hmm. And so all that does is feed the attachment to I and the attachment to the ego. And it puts pressure on yourself that you have something to prove to yourself. You have my whole life, I've I've been trying to prove something, and it was really that I was trying to prove that I was good enough, uh, that I can make it or whatever it was, and I did that by trying to prove things to other people. But really, the whole time I was trying to prove things to myself, and then through this journey of traveling and teaching and sharing my experience and and doing all these things and being kind of held up on a pedestal, which happens a lot, which I I've, I've never understood people Mm -hmm. will sometimes actually treat me like i'm a celebrity or i'm somebody and sure not saying that i'm nobody but i'm i'm the same mean, we're all really the same we're just sharing different experiences and i have an opportunity to share my experience but through that opportunity of sharing my experience i realize it's not about my experience
0: it's just a vessel for the teachings you'd say
1: it's just not about me and I don't. That's probably one of the hardest lessons I've learned, and the hardest lesson to teach, because it's one of those things that can't be explained through words. It can't be under, understood through, through someone trying to teach it to you. You just have to know it, know it in your being. Because until you do that, it's always going to be about you. But on, as a way to share it though. I could, I could say that every time that someone brings me into the limelight, that someone is like, oh, whatever you've taught me so much, or whatever, I I realize it's, it's not about me. Because everybody is having their experience. And we are really just mirrors for each other's experiences. And when you think that it's you doing that, that's, I don't know, maybe it is. Now, who, who am I to say any absolutes? But I know that when I think that it's me that's making that change in somebody else's life, that it all goes wrong from there. But if I realize that all I'm doing is reflecting what that person needs to see, it's everything that they're doing. And by, as as Ram Dass would say, polishing the mirror, you know, by polishing the mirror and, and being empathetic to people and seeing where they come from and understanding that it's not about me that you actually become a better mirror to reflect what people need to see and essentially you guide people to the true teacher which is the inner teacher you know I I, I use my, my the title of a yoga teacher but I'm not a yoga teacher I play the role of teacher when I'm honored to have students that give me that role but even in that being that role, I'm only pointing back to the inner teacher. I'm only pointing back to the experience that they're having.
0: Do you, I know you run, you run trainings. I know you have a 200 hour and you actually have a 300 hour coming up. Do you, in any part of your teacher trainings speak about this or do you, you know, I guess the, 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 this would be more the, the, the Dharma part of teaching and of becoming a teacher and, you you know, I agree with everything you just said. I think, you know, as teachers, we have to realize that it's not about ourselves. When we're in that room, it actually, we, we no longer, it's not about us. It's about the students in the room. And, you know, again, we're, we are vessels of the teaching, right? Yeah. So whatever it is that we're having them do or study or read, it's just a way to get them to do their inner work. Do you, do you add any of this in your trainings and how, how, it's from what I'm hearing from you, it sounds like you're pretty passionate about this. And so I, I guess my assumption is that you you would do something like this in your trainings. What does it come across? How does it come across if you if you do do it? Or if there's any sections on this that you really focus on?
1: I think why people do 200 hour trainings or 300 hour trainings or teacher trainings. I mean, maybe people do it to to learn how to teach. But what I get out of it, and what I try to put into trainings is the personal growth and the main focus of my 300 hour training Though we do. We, I mean, we do all the anatomy stuff and the fascia meridians and and all that, but it, it really is about the personal growth and the personal experience and how you could be, how you can understand who you are better. And then through that understanding, share that. So yeah, there's mm. a, there's a lot that goes on. In, in my 300-hour trainings, that's focused towards personal growth and understanding the self. I think that's really the bulk majority of it. It's, it's incredibly challenging uh, physically, mentally. Daily practice is really hard every day. But that's – I mean, yeah. there's a way that I look at things or that I, I approach it. And really, I can only share my teachings through my experience and how I've learned how to grow – is through stress or through challenge? I mean, we say stress. Stress. There's a, there's a, a therapeutic range of what is good, and for me, I it tends to be really high. I tend to need quite a lot of challenge to be able to learn from it. I'm not I'm not the the best learner because that's how I learn. That's how also how I share. So I, my mm. training probably not for most people, but I do put through quite a bit of challenge. I don't know how to say this without actually getting into details of what my training entails, you know, which is boring for people to listen to.
0: (laughs) I've heard, um, I've heard from a couple people that every time they see you, you've always got a book in your hands. And you know, I, I totally, I just in watching you from a distance, I've seen your journey and movement grow. I think that there's some times where we teach yoga and I think there are other times that we teach movement. In your current readings, like studying for yourself, what are you reading both physically, like for, like, what are you getting into physically right now? And then also, what type of sacred text are you getting into, or what types of the teachings of the yoga are you getting into right now? Like, what's making you like thrive and like get really excited?
1: The book I'm reading right now is called uh, The Sky Above, Earth Below by John P. Milton. And I'm actually looking to do a training with him this summer. Uh, He. He's been around for a while, probably un, unknown to most people. Uh, I think he's more of a Qigong, Tai Chi Qi, tai chi teacher. But mm-hmm. his, his thing is about the sacred passage, the connection to nature, and understanding what mm-hmm. it is to come back to the source, and understanding harmony. I, I wrote a post right. on it today a little bit about being today is Earth Day, which is a which is a beautiful day to do this this interview. But about being connected back to nature and how the further we remove ourselves from it, the further we actually remove ourselves from ourselves because we are we are connected to the planet. We come from the planet as though it's not separate. And I think that one of the main teachings of yoga is this idea of connection and that separation is the maya, separation is the illusion, that we could all be different. In the Bhagavad Gita, it talks about a banyan tree, and the, the, the illusion that it gives, it, it talks about the world, or, or maya, being where this tree, where the roots grow up and the branches grow down, and this is the world as we see it. And as we're looking at this, where we see this nature, it's, actually, it's the reflection. So as a tree grows by still waters, when you look down into the still waters, you see the tree. And the whole concept of Yogas Chittas Vrta Narodha is based off of steel, stilling the waters or stilling the mind so that we could see the reflection of what reality is. And this is really the first step into understanding truth, our, our truth, our true nature, because when we look down into the water, when we, when we still the water, when we let it come to rest, when we stop contracting against things and we start to absorb the nature, we start to see things as they are. But as long as we're looking down at the reflection, we're not actually looking at reality. We're only looking at the reflection of reality. And this is essentially what it means to move past Maya. It's, it's to look up from the water to still the mind, to come to a place of rest and relaxation so that you could see the truth long enough to be able to part the clouds and see clarity.
0: And then it gets even crazier because then you have to step. And then, then once you get there, then you, have, then you learn about duality. <laughs> you have to remember that physical is no longer physical and mental is no longer mental.
1: <laughs> the, the problem with language and duality and non-duality and all these things is we understand everything. The way that language is, is created is through its opposites we understand love by fear or hate or whatever you think the opposite of love is dark by light you know we can't have a concept of darkness if we, unless we have a concept of light there's a beautiful saying that i love that explain that i think explains this so well that a, a blind person will never know darkness yeah and this goes back to understanding that we're we only know the world centered around through our experiences and so if we cannot We can't share our experiences and we can't teach our experiences we can only guide people through their own experience because as someone they could see i would think that a blind person lives in darkness but a blind person will never know darkness darkness because they've never seen light and how can you understand what darkness is until you understand light and so ultimately removing the self from the maya from the illusion of of this is about coming back to the connectiveness of nature to the oneness, that there is no separation between ourselves and nature, ourselves and the universe, that we are completely interconnected, all things, all life, emotions, perceptions, thoughts, completely intra-dependent upon all these things. And when you start to recognize yourself as the source When you start to see yourself as the source and not separate from the source, then you start to understand these things. One of the the analogies I like to give is that of like a a string of Christmas lights. As we look at the lights, they're all a bunch of different bulbs and pretty colors and they're unique and different and they shine in different ways. But the source that makes them all glow is the same. And as long as we're connected to the source, we are that source. It's just what do we identify with? Do we identify with our difference or do we identify with the source?
0: Do you think that with, with all these teachings and with all, you know, I mean, yoga, yoga can go deep in so many layers. I mean, so many layers, so many layers. Do you think that it, it ever gets a little too dogmatic? Yeah. Uh,
1: I think dogma comes through definition in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Because if yoga is this all-encompassing thing, and everything, if everything is not two, by nature, when we start to define anything, we have to put it into a box. And the second that you put something into a box, mm-hmm. the second that you create a line in the sand, you create a division, you create two. You create separation by the, that very nature. And so from this, it's really easy for dogma to arise. It's uh, It's almost an impossible thing not to have some sort of some sort of form of dogma, but for us to understand something for how science works, how our understanding of all things, we've done it through breaking things down, finding the parameters and understanding the parts. The only problem with that is we can never understand the whole by the sum of the parts. And we learn this through movement. We learn this through anatomy. Uh, I do a lot of study through fascia and it's the same thing with that. So there's a lot of dogma. There's a lot of dogma and movement and people wanting to say this is yoga, this isn't yoga, which I've always find is funny because... Mm.
0: It's super funny, yeah.
1: (laughs) And I think every yogi, eventually along their journey, they realize that the movement is just a tool. And I, I like to say that you know, I practice yoga, but I really don't practice yoga. I try to be yoga when I'm mindful, when I recognize this my state of awareness that I am. I am yoga, I guess, or in union. If you you know, yoga is just a word. Again, like all words, we, um, we create definition around it and the parameters. So, if I'm in a state of of yoga, I'm in a state of union. If I'm in that state, I am that. But these other things that we we tend to call yoga, the asana, meditation, pranayama, uh, philosophy, the yamas, niyamas, all the eight limbs and all that stuff, these are tools. And every one of these tools helps to guide us to the state of yoga. So we use this term of practicing yoga when really we're practicing the tools of yoga to obtain a state of yoga. So when someone goes like, "Oh, that's not yoga," if you could see it, probably isn't.
0: And also, who are they to define yeah. what is? And then and what it goes isn't.
1: back to, "It's not about me." And part of that is, "What am I trying to prove?" If someone tells me the the crazy hollow back handstand that I'm doing isn't it yoga. It's like, you know, why why am I trying to prove to you that it is? I I can never right. I can never prove that, you know, only through experience. I mean, I found yoga through a hollow back handstand, but I don't think everybody's going to.
0: Mm-hmm. I also think that discrediting, you know, some of, and it happens a lot, you know, specifically with like what's, what. there's obviously been a big change on social media and yoga and, you know, what's been presented out there and whatnot. And some people are like, well, that's not yoga. And this isn't yoga, that's acrobatics. Like when we start to, you know, create, it, what I like, you know, what I like to call is isms. It's there's people forget that there is a lot of work that goes into physical movement and to putting your body into, you know, shapes. And also, there's a lot of teachings in that as well. There's a lot of patience. There's a lot of, you know, mental push. There's a lot of learning about yourself throughout the process. So, you know, whether you're sitting reading the sutras and studying there, or whether you're, you know, practicing movement, it, it's all. You know, it's all getting you to the same place. It's exactly. just a different vessel to get so you. So they're there.
1: all tools, all tools to find yoga.
0: And what happens is we start to say that well, one is better than the other. You're talking about people
1: forgetting. People forget where yoga came from. I mean, at the the turn of the century, you had the first person bring yoga really to the West, which was uh, Swami Vivekananda, and he was yep he was very vocal of, uh, against any form of physical yoga, hatha yoga. If if you did anything yeah. that was hatha yoga, he said, that's not yoga. And he was very much against Krishnamacharya and and what he was teaching. And this was, and Vivekananda was one of the most respected yogis of, of all time, and especially in that time. And so now here we are 120 years later from that time or so, yeah. Yeah, two thousand eight, 2019, about that. Yeah, and we see how much it's changed. And really in these past, you know, since like social media and, and the, the spread of the more acrobatic style of, of vinyasa, we see how it's going. But again, it's just a tool. Like any tool, the sharper it is, the more effective it is. And when you start your journey, you might not need such a sharp tool. Uh, It'll do the job. But eventually, as you move deeper and deeper through a movement practice, and again, just using the movement practice to find this state of awareness, to stress the body, to stress the mind, Mm -hmm. to allow an easier time for focus and concentration and, and meditation through movement. When you... When challenging things are no longer challenging, you have to look for new challenge to grow. And people are, that, that say certain things aren't yoga are only saying it through their experience because what is not challenging for me is possibly challenging for them. So they find the challenge in, in, in those things. But you know, I could hold crow pose indefinitely. So there, there's, there's something else that I want from movement. That there's something else that I want from this tool to find this place of yoga. So for me, it's fine if people say that's not yoga. The only problem with that is these kinds of thoughts infect other people's thoughts. But what I have going for me, I guess, is uh, I'm, I'm starting to have more of a voice. And thanks to people like you for putting me out there more and more people are hearing this and minds are being changed just like you know krishnamacharya changing people's minds that hatha yoga is is amazing that that it's more than just for charlatans and sadhus and and militants you know the people that were
0: i think it's one of my favorite things favorite things about doing the podcast is you actually get to hear the story rather yeah. than just reading it you know it gives you a little more a little more context and a little feeling behind um, everything that's coming across
1: yeah it's I mean it's a beautiful journey
0: <laughs> I got one more one more question for you what are you geeking out right now about physically like what is your what is your new jam like what are you like really diving into and like just like absolutely like this is amazing and, and mind-blowing yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't think yeah, everything.
0: Everything. <laughs> I mean it
1: it's funny. I've been doing handstands for so long, but it's really been this past year that I've been making it a huge part of my practice. And then um for the past like 3 years or so, it's been it's been the fascia thing and really studying into that and in biotensegrity and I just did a retreat with Tom Myers and it it was amazing because it opened up new doors and new things to think about and stuff so it's I guess from, from the yoga standpoint uh, i am been developing a way to sequence on the myofascial meridians so I've been sequencing this way for about a year now and, and teaching that and teaching myofoscial meridian sequencing in my teacher trainings and it's just another way to look at look at something rather than separate is more of the whole and how everything works in balance. And that's really the beautiful thing about the body is the body is designed to be balanced in all ways. It's continuously under tension and compression at the same time. It holds itself in space in every orientation perfectly without struggle, without without effort. And we are literally held together, in in the most amazing way. That no bone, no healthy bone, touches another bone. Uh, the the the, if you want readers or listeners, listeners I guess would be something to dive into. It's the idea of uh, biotensegrity and start to understand movement through that, and our connection to ourselves and our connection to to each other and to the universe through. biological tension integrity so that's that's really uh, a wonderful thing that i've been exploring especially with my sequencing is how to keep everything balanced and look at the body in a holistic way but through a very specific understanding of these lines of tension and so i I know to kind of for people that have no idea what i'm talking about fascia (laughs) is the thing that connects everything together and through the body which is holistically connected there are lines of tension, which moves through our tendons and our ligaments and our muscles. And these things create things called myofascial meridians, which are basically lines of tension, how we pull. And they encompass the whole body from the head to the toes. And so when you learn about how to, the properties, because there's properties of fascia that We're just now really starting to understand when you learn about these properties and how these lines of tension work together. You can really maximize the benefits of movement, of how you train, and how you feel healthy and balanced in your body to reduce the chances of injury and increase strength and flexibility. So it's it's. I, I, I'm i like super geeking out about that. I should have just gone right to that in my first answer and <laughs> just get the handstand thing because I like handstands, but I'm not geeking out about them. I'm just practicing them more than normal.
0: Yeah, right, right. I mean, hey, but you know what? At least we got there, though.
1: <laughs> we got there. It took, it took us a little while, but that's that <laughs> seems to be my MO with most things in life. It takes me a little while to get there, but eventually. You got there. That's all that matters. Or <laughs> right, like one of my, my favorite my favorite sayings is uh you know like the journey of yoga is is one that just leads us more here mm. you know this 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 journey of life wherever we're going, we're always going to end up here. and I think when you when you start to live your life like that, you stop trying to be somewhere else. you stop trying to push towards something else. and when you asked me in the beginning, you know what what did I see my future? well, I see my future as being here." whatever that is right now it's, it's this connection that we get to share. And so why would I want to be anywhere different? Can I share a thought? Just one thing that please do that's that's been plaguing me. So this thought happened yesterday. I went to get some food and I'm standing in line and I'm waiting to order. And the person in front of me is ordering, but at the same time, they're looking at their phone and they're texting and I think the, the, the problem that we're having is we're losing connection with each other, that we are more concerned with what we're doing, that we don't give each other the respect and the, the time that we all deserve. Like how can you be a mirror for someone else if you don't even look at them in the eyes when, when you're speaking to them? And it's, we, we need to move back to this place of connecting with each other. I mean, it's great to connect with yourself. It's great to connect with nature, but we're, we're around each other all the time. So that the what it means just to look at somebody in the eyes and, and speak to them instead of at them. Is, um, mm. I think that would be a huge
0: change in the society <laughs> as we move forward. Also to just receive another person, to yeah. just sit there and receive them for, for for who they are and what they've walked in.
1: Exactly. Thank you for, for receiving me. I I appreciate
0: it. Same, same dude. I know that you are a very busy man and you're always traveling. So I just appreciate you taking some time out to chat and share. And, and I mean, your knowledge is just, it's, it's insane and incredible, but your wisdom and, and where you speak from, it's very grounded. And I know, you know, even as I'm, as I'm listening to you speak here, You know, there's a lot of like nodding my head, like, yes, (laughs) more of that, more of that. So I just appreciate you again, taking your time out and and sharing some wisdom and and your knowledge and to get to hear what you're up to and and what you have been working on. And yeah, it's just, it's great to hear another voice and to, to be inspired by that voice. So, so thank you for, for coming onto the show and sharing some time with me.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Hopefully everything I said sounded like common sense so <laughs> that's all I feel like I just like speak it's, if, it's, if it's truth it should be pretty easy to understand and, and sound like something you already know
0: yeah so and also I think it. whatever you need, whatever you needed to say was what you said it
1: was perfect as, as my, my teacher would say whatever happened is perfect because it can't happen any other way
0: 100% thank you again Dylan until the right, uh, next you. Yogi Misfit session this is Danny and Dylan saying peace out peace out